I'm Eric Martin, and this is Nothing New Under the Sun. I want you to imagine that you start a company today. Imagine that this business you found today is uh, still going to be around in the year 2,213. That's 190 years from now, or about seven generations. Now imagine that this uh, company you start is in a tiny emerging little industry, something laughably small. But over the decades, with hard work, your endeavor helps to develop and grow this humble little industry into one of the most impactful and transformative forces in the world. And imagine that along the way, your company invents marketing practices and strategies that are all so pioneering that they grow into entire massive industries of their own. Well, in 1832, D.K. Manor started the American Railroad Journal. And yes, 190 years later, it's still around. Now, it's gone through a complex history of mergers and acquisitions and name changes, but its uh, modern successor, uh, Railway Age, is, is still quite vital for the uh, North American railroad industry. Now, the journal was one of the uh, premier, industry, premier trade publications of the 19th century, and uh, arguably the continuous, longest continuously operating publication in the world. They actually coined the term public relations and developed a lot of the modern practice. They're also the first trade organization to set up an ongoing lobbying operation at the federal level. And they're also uh, credited with a long list of firsts in the advertising field. Uh, firsts around new publishing technologies uh, like full color printing as well. And that's all really cool. But yeah, why are we why are we talking about this? Why the, the study... Uh, the longevity are all impressive and, at least to me, fascinating in their own right. But what does this old trade journal about trains have to do with modern business and marketing, the work we're doing today? Why is it important? Hell, why am I doing a podcast about the history of B2B marketing? Well, I believe that the more we learn about the past, the more we can foresee and maybe even recognize the future. I believe there's a lot we can learn by following a trajectory backwards, trying to trace its contours as best we can. And if we can maybe identify some of those patterns and maybe follow some of those patterns backwards, then we can kind of get a glimpse, uh, however faint, the way that those patterns might continue in the future. If we can see, we can see how the cycles might repeat themselves, maybe see the logical conclusions of trends. Now, none of that is uh, precise, but certainly helps, helps us to think about where we're going. And specifically with this story of the American Railroad Journal, I think there's uh, some really interesting patterns around content marketing. For me, they're the sort of original uh, predecessor of a content marketing organization, uh, especially if it comes to, when it comes to thought leadership for uh, emerging industry. And so if you do any research on the history of content marketing, there's a uh, quite a few entities that uh, could credibly claim to be the first or at least super influential in the development of that field. Uh, one of them is The Furrow, which was a magazine started by the John Deere company in the late 1890s. And it expertly marketed John Deere products to farmers and was distributed by uh, local dealers and is still in right publication today. You also find uh, Johnson & Johnson, who in the late 19th century published a wonderful guide to wound sterilization. And of course, included a catalog where you could order their products in the middle. 
of the guide. Uh, some people also point to old Ben Franklin, who uh, needed a way to promote his uh, Pennsylvania printing press business and published uh, Poor Richard's Almanac, which sold well and drove a lot of business. There's also one of my favorites, which is the Locomotive Magazine, uh, published first in 1867 by the Hartford Steam Boiler and Insurance Company. Uh, it was, of course, devoted to steam power and industrial safety uh, and was till very recently, I think, uh, still being published as a, as a newsletter. So those are just a few of the interesting early content marketing stories um, and stories of B2B marketing or industrial marketing, as it was called back then. Uh, there's a whole lot more, including a lot from beyond North America. And I hope to visit some of those uh, early content marketing analogs in, in future episodes. Um, when I go through all that, and when I look back at the early threads of content marketing and thought leadership and network building and a lot of these things that are effective and powerful today, the, the early echoes, the early beginnings to me all come back to American Railroad Journal. Because, uh, you know, many of us work in emerging industries, or at least work to sort of serve and promote these burgeoning little subcategories and trends and movements where our products and services kind of fit and help people. And so we're always trying to navigate how to promote and grow this kind of larger emerging space we're part of to sort of grow the whole pie. But we're also trying to promote our employer's slice of that pie and, you know, trying our best to stay true to our own sort of personal brand and values along the way as well. And it uh, can be a really delicate track to navigate. But I, I think there's some key sort of navigation patterns that we can learn from the longevity and success that the Railroad Journal had. And, and just to start, uh, it's important to keep in mind that, yeah, it may be obvious in hindsight that the railroad industry was going to be super massive. But back then in 1832, when the first issue of the journal came out, uh, it was just about two years after there was a successful railroad at all in North America. And uh, to put it in perspective, the year was first published. There were a total of 12 railways in the U.S., and they operated on only 200 miles of track. And nine of those 12, rail 12 railways uh, were still uh, reliant on horses for power. So train cars being pulled on train tracks by horses. Uh, it, it grew very quickly from then. And, you know, smart people uh, knew that it was going to have a big impact eventually. But just how fast and how far reaching that impact of the railroads would be, I think, would have even surpassed the publisher DK Miner's wildest dreams. Uh, and when the journal first started, uh, there weren't a lot of railroad experts anywhere. It was a really new technology and just the expertise wasn't widespread. And the, the few experts that there were were mostly in England and, and no experts uh, really had experience dealing with these large geography and mountain, mountain terrain of North America. So the publication, American Railroad Journal, actually helped to identify and develop some of these early engineering talents. Uh, people would would send in ideas and technical drawings and blueprints and proposals, and the journal would publish some of those. And some of those people would later go on to become extremely influential and important railroad engineers and builders and architects. Uh, another important thing they did is that I think really contributed to their impact and longevity is that they really sort of evolved their scope uh, as the industry changed. Now, within the first few years, they uh, they published they. They expanded to include the engineering side of the business, but also the, the sort of financial and business side. 
uh, it was important because a lot of those early public offerings and various financial vehicles of the time allowed people to sort of uh, confidently invest in creating these railroad ventures, which allowed the industry to expand. Uh, later on, the journal expanded to cover industrial mining and related sort of engineering operations. And also over the years, they sometimes expanded and uh, to cover the sort of personal rail travel, uh, as well as the traditional freight industry. Um, and as they evolved and changed in scope, they also were really good about mixing up the content types. Uh, they always have included extremely technical content. Um, I know I've gotten a couple old issues of the journal on eBay and um, kind of addicted, but they have these uh, awesome kind of big blueprint proposal foldouts and drawings of new techniques and architecture stuff and these maps of station concepts and new track setups from uh, all, all over the world. Uh, they also were, were uh, important in kind of providing the most accurate and the most up-to-date financial financial data um, that would then get shared in, in other uh, publications and newspapers and, you know, allowed people to sort of uh, have confidence in their in their investments and, and know that they were getting the best, uh, best knowledge. So it really, really pushed the education around those, those areas as well. And, you know, unlike a lot of their sort of contemporaries, uh, they weren't just promoting new innovations in this new uh, this new field. Um, and they weren't just, you know, collecting and sharing the financial data. They also analyzed it. And, you know, to be clear, they mostly championed achievements and promoted this industry that they were, you know, actively invested in and trying to grow. But they weren't afraid to point out looming problems. And when necessary, they weren't afraid to propose reforms. They were the first entity really of, of a modern size and scale to examine some of the common problems that these big industrial businesses would pose for our increasingly connected, commercialized society. The early journals also did a really amazing job at balancing the voice and brand of the content. There's a great, great quote from one of the early editors that says, if we shall succeed uh, being comprehensive without being without effusiveness, being practical without dryness, solid without heaviness and a value to both those who build and operate our railroads and those who use them, then we should feel assured of our abundance success. So that balance is important for any B2B marketing campaign, any content operation, uh, always trying to serve multiple stakeholders, trying to you know, provide very practical value. But as the quote says, you don't wanna to be too boring or too dry. Also trying to juggle the hyper-targeted focus with the broader audience, uh, working with an audience that may be at different stages of, of knowledge and buying and different places in the development journey. So uh, I love that quote. Um, I also think uh, another thing that did really well was if you're trying to help this emerging uh, uh, industry gain momentum, uh, you really need to focus on the mix, the tactical, the technical, but also how the industry fits into sort of important and broader macro trends. Uh, so I hope that's been an interesting look at some of the early sort of thought leadership for this fast-growing, technologically-driven industry of, of railroads. And I hope uh, the, the history and journey of this one uh, content pioneer um, maybe at least provides a new perspective. Now, uh, this podcast is, is titled Nothing New Under the Sun. And yeah, in some ways, that's a cynical title, right? Uh, in many ways, it, it has all been done before. And you know, a lot of innovation is about trying something that's been done, but maybe doing it in a new field, 
or a new time or maybe a new situation uh, with new tools and a, and a new audience. Especially as a, as a marketer, it's easy to call something new. It's easy to call something first, uh, even and maybe even necessary to get excited and think, hey, no one's ever done this before. But when I read these old journals and print ads and marketing campaigns and other mostly long forgotten ephemera, I realize they're full of people who are just as smart and just as driven and ambitious and complex and clever and complicated as me or any of us. So I don't know. I think we should always assume that there's an analog to the newest technique or trend, some uh, similar pattern or similar moment, just in a different time. So ultimately for me, nothing new under the sun is a hopeful, optimistic title. Because if we start from the assumption that in some way it's all been done before, well, that means that we can learn from what came before us. The time, the perspective, the situations, the tools, those are all different, but the pure execution, the, the art, the craft, the determination, the strategy, the, the tons of choices we make, those all have echoes and, and we can see those reflected in our own work. And especially if you are working in an emerging industry or category of some sort, and trying to create and promote you know, content and programs that are actually leading the market and the broader community you're serving, then sort of by definition, there's not a going to be a, there's not going to be a contemporary map to follow. So I want to quote one of the uh, Railroad Journal's earliest editors uh, who said, quote, it may be true that experience is the best teacher, but a man is a damned fool who cannot learn from anybody's experience but his own, unquote. True 150 years ago, true today, and I'm willing to bet uh, going to be true 150 years from now. Thank you to each and every one of you for listening to the episode. I know I learned a lot putting it together, and I hope uh, you learned something as well. Uh, if you're interested in exploring this further, please check the show notes. Uh, we have links to all kinds of, uh, there's a bunch of different massive archives of the American Railroad Journal and links to some of the other things we mentioned. And uh, yeah, if you found this interesting, I would love to hear from you. Um, especially uh, if you have ideas or thoughts about what topics might be interesting to have, uh, explore in future episodes. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can all learn together uh, and maybe learn from the experience of those who've come before. Uh, thank you for listening. And who knows, maybe uh, maybe someone out there listening is going to create something that might still be around in 100 years.